Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Parker is back with us. Parker, my man, how are you doing? You're in a bit of a big change right now. Yeah, big enough. I mean, moving is, uh, it just sucks, honestly. Yeah. There's like two things that suck the life out of me. It's when somebody asks to talk to the manager and uh, moving. So, yeah. Uh, Sarah and I are plugging away, trying to get from A to B and our new place is so awesome that we couldn't care less. Like it's, it's great. Uh, So what are you most excited? Quick question. What are you most excited about your new place? Um, we have a second bedroom, uh, and then also our living room is massive. So it'll be good for having people over. So good. Oh, that second room is game changer, man. I remember our first place that we lived in, um, that was like a bone uh, first place that we lived in in Calgary technically we lived in the Bahamas first and that was just like people wanted to come visit all that sort of stuff but um where we were in a basement suite and literally the ceiling if I were to stand upright in one in the hallway no you obviously people listening can't see this but I'm like hitting my forehead down the hallway from our living space to our bedroom our second bedroom and our bathroom was like my forehead level so by the end of our time there like I had a wicked kink in my neck and it was just and our like second room was ended up just being storage and the first people wanted to come hang out and stay over like from out of town we're like crap (laughs) we got to get this in order so but it's great it's it's a lot of like great responsibility that second room because the temptation is storage let's just throw it in there and and we won't see it because we never go in there until somebody stays there I think for the nice thing is like this year with Sarah doing school fully online in the fall, mm. it'll just be at home office. So, oh, dude, and home offices, man, like can't go wrong. Yeah, a space, changer. a space to separate work and low and home and life, and that's yeah. unreal. Yeah, that's so good, so good. Um, yeah. Hey, unreal. Oh, I somebody's knocking on my door. Um, get him, Phoebe. Get him, Phoebe. Oh, just somebody delivering. Sorry, everybody. Um, Amazon. Hey, uh, quick random. I just finished watching. A, you, you know who John Christ is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so his whole situation that went down last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, he just posted for the first time on Instagram today um, and was kind of like a message to the fans, kind of an update um, in terms of like, what uh what's been going on in his life the last like eight months and i just i'm i'm always with christian specifically with christian um celebrities that kind of crash and and burn like morally i'm always interested to see how they come back a like one how communities treat them um like the communities around them treat respond and engage and and then um uh in terms of like how they bounce back uh as well so i'm really interested to see but like thoughts on on that i i think that like with what he was he was wrestling with with i think it was like sexual addiction was was his was his stick and um one of his things that he talked about was um 
that he felt like he was uh, in, in like kind of making fun or making light of like hypocrisy in certain like areas of life, like just pulling that out and that being part of his humor, he living that hypocrisy himself, like in his private life. Um, I have, I have high hopes for him. Like I, my prayer is that like, yeah, this, this it's, it sucks when you're caught. <laughs> um, and when it's, uh, when, when it's, it's shown to be like out of your control when, when you don't have a say of how things come to light. But, um, I just, I just think that like the interesting part about celebrities bouncing back or like Christian celebrities bouncing back, like there is, there's something to be said about confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the life and the light that comes from that and i think um these people that we hold on like a pedestal um and and these these people that we kind of hope and pray will never be those people that they'll never crash they'll be that that savior that we kind of always hope for that we can see (laughs) feel and touch um that uh that a well, we learned from a guy like John Christ, and this is like little, almost nothing to what, what we're talking about. I just thought it was interesting. Um, yeah. but, uh, but that like, we need to start looking at our own lives and saying, well, who are the people in our lives that might be think that we have influence over that we have like this, like weight and leverage in that we speak into people's lives with. And, um, would we be able to, um, to live in the light and know that like only Jesus can hold that spot in our life. I was just reading a story about a guy who uh, had that very, that very same experience. I think it was, I might've been Foster actually in his, his book prayer or celebration of discipline where he has this guy who God just placed on his heart that um, this, this, this very spiritual, like, I don't, I don't know the name. So he's not obviously that famous, but wanted, it felt like called, to, to shoot him a call and ask him to pray for him. And so he responds, says, yes, absolutely. So they meet up and they start, like, they start talking. And before he starts praying, which is what they got together to do, this guy, this guy that Foster like, looked up to, had so much respect for, starts confessing his sins to him. And Foster has like, no idea what to do. And, and like, by the end of what this guy starts saying, he's like, do you still want me to pray for you? And in that moment... Foster realized something like this guy was actually teaching him that the place of Jesus can only be held by Jesus. And, and, um, and then he proceeded to pray for him and, and there's more to the story, but I just, I just think that there's something to, to be said about like in this, in this culture of, of Mm -hmm. celebrity and, and cancel culture. There's, there needs to be an, an immense amount of grace um, both to others, but also walking in this light, like Jesus talks about. Wow. Yeah, man, honestly, I'll just say two things real quick. I think, um, first I understand what you were saying. Uh, and maybe the verbiage was just a little bit different, but I actually, I'm happy he got caught. Yep. Uh, totally. I, I get the thing. Like it sucks. It's out of his hands and it's just public perception and people always get demonized in the church. But yeah. I think, uh, yeah like it drives me nuts that people get demonized it's like everybody everybody has sin they don't talk about Mm. Uh, but i think the greatest thing for him that would he'd get caught and that that would be revealed in his life is like something actually heinous and needs to be worked through um but i'd absolutely agree like you read um keep bringing up foster he's got that whole chapter on confession and just the beauty of confession Mm. and even uh even uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in his letters from the Birmingham jail, he talked about um, how racism was like a 
boil of society that mm. the more you keep it in the dark and, and don't give light to it or fresh air how it continues to grow and so the more you conceal it um the more that it grows and becomes a greater piece of your life but when you actually expose it to the air and to the sunlight he said yes it's disgusting and it needs to be shown to be disgusting and i think the same thing is true with our sin like until we bring it to light bring it open in community of safe people um, it'll continue to grow and change us not for the better um, yeah. and while yeah it's totally agonizing to sometimes reveal our boils when <laughs> they're out in the open oh. we have an opportunity to change yeah yeah i love the verbiage of boil because it is as disgusting of a word as it sounds and that's like that is our sin right like you don't yeah. like you don't want to talk about people's boils like you don't want to show your own boil ugh, ugh. Yeah. oh yeah no it's um uh it's 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 good i i appreciate that so um in terms of transition <laughs> which i am i'm known to be so good at um the let's jump into our uh our text today i'm i'm talking on on mark eight following up from parker last week we you uh you spoke about this 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 passage that Jesus asks this incredibly hard question and don't you understand yet? And you feel kind of awkward and you're like, I guess not. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and on the depth of what Jesus brings in, and like he is the bread of life, right? And his, this, this provision that he, he brings life and life to the fullest. Um, and so this is a bit of a follow-up and after, after this happens, then, um, there's this scene after after Jesus heals a blind man and and they start uh, Jesus and his and his disciples are just, they're walking. I I just like Jesus Jesus is like the master conversationalist. Like to just like mostly because I think he doesn't just talk about small talk stuff. Um, and I, I know like we talk about like conversationalists and like people who who you know it's entertaining and good, but I think the richest conversations aren't the most entertaining conversations. The richest conversations are the ones where people are able to bore down to the stuff that people are actually experiencing, going through, wrestling with, um, which shows and exposes our soul, our, our <laughs> sometimes our boils, right? Or uh, the things in our souls that need to be dealt with. And Jesus does this like so well. I would, I would love to have been... Uh, sorry. I couldn't hear what you said. Oh, sorry, Siri, go away. Um, I would love to have been uh, just just to just to say, Jesus, teach me how to bring up what you brought up in people, and and that's just a lesson that I'm learning right now. Um, but he, so I'm going to read the text and then I'll jump into it because I'm going to start preaching before I even read it. So um, I'm looking at Mark eight twenty seven to thirty three, and I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, and it says this. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then... He began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this, 
Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Man, like, what an oof on Peter, hey? Like, so... There's this great conversation that happens. Jesus is striking up intentional conversation with the disciples to get, to, to draw out, not, because he doesn't need to know what people think about him. Like, he's not insecure. Um, that's, that's not why he asks. And I think there's something to be said there, because I think that this is not insecurity on the part of Jesus. Why? Because his identity is in the Father. And that comes from time spent with him intentionally and I think for us who um, we all wrestle with a level of insecurity at some point is that um, time with the father solidifies who he has, has made us to be the identity that he has given us um, and this isn't the point of the text but I think it's important in that like we all wrestle with this with this um, this identity piece in that um, we actually, I believe, on this earth, we can be free of the insecurity that plagues us. Um, and I think Jesus is the perfect example of that, and that he's the example of how to live a life on earth. And, and you see how that solidified is that he spends time, after spending amazing moments of ministry with thousands of people at times, he always retreats and goes to the quiet place. He always goes to where it is quiet and he prays because I don't know for me personally and this is kind of a situation where this is sort of just happened um, where Jesus has done this incredible thing and and it would be tempting for me to kind of bask in the glory that people want to to show and give me like wow Andrew that was a that was an amazing sermon and 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 that, that feels good. It, you know, it, it feels right. <laughs> my, my ego is, is stroked. Um, but Jesus doesn't, I think, I think Jesus might have been in the humanness and was tempted to, though he didn't sin, tempted to stay in that place. But he knew the greatest place to be, and that was with his father and hearing the affirmation that comes from him in his obedience and, and I think for us who wrestle with identity, a first place to be is to put your phone down, stop listening to the voice of the world, and to, to listen in to what the Father has to say through His Word, what He has to say about us. Because, um, I don't know, it sounds like a, almost a too-good-to-be-true promise, but freedom from insecurity sounds like a great thing. Um, yeah. And so, like, yeah, uh, I, I, I just... I love that about Jesus. And so uh, then he asks this. And so then, you know, the disciples have their ears to the ground. They, they hear what, what people are saying about him. And because uh, usually that's how it goes. It's interesting. People will usually say the things to the other people around that particular person rather than to the person themselves. Yeah. Side note, if you're listening and you feel the way about something to somebody, you need to go to the source and graciously and lovingly talk about maybe something that's between you. Because there's yeah. nothing more broke. There's nothing more hurtful than hearing secondhand either criticism when it may not mean to be criticism there's secondhand even secondhand compliments um it's better in person uh, even like jesus if you want to argue with me like jesus talks about this when he says and you're going to make a sacrifice and you have an issue with your brother or sister go before you come to the altar 
go deal with it with them yourself figure out how to do conflict figure out how to resolve issues between each other anyways so um jesus asks they share these are some big names that people think that they are so there's a little bit of confusion as to who jesus is um they think he's elijah they think he's john the baptist and i think at this point i i i think John might be dead at this point. He might have been beheaded by Herod. I'm not actually sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, and then others are one of the prophets, which are, these are, these are big names uh, in the time. And then he gets to the real reason of, of this question. He doesn't just, I love the way Jesus doesn't like go for the, go for the heart right away. He kind of warms them up a bit. Like he's incredibly smart. Like he just, yeah. he just, uh, he gets them talking and there's a good conversational piece. You, you just ask people questions and, and you'll get to the heart of what people are wrestling with. Um, but he asked this question, warms them up. And then he says, but wait, I don't like more importantly, who do you say that I am? And I think it's interesting. The first time he asks the question, it says they answered him. So the whole group, there's this group mentality. They feel comfortable enough because they like, they're confident in the answer. But when he asks, who do you say? I, I imagine there's like this awkward silence. Yes, crickets. Yeah, like one, either because they don't know for sure or two, they don't want to get it wrong. And uh, because this is their teacher, right? Like this is, this is the person that in a sense their identity is wrapped up in as a, as a Hebrew disciple who has been called to follow by a rabbi. This is a big deal. And I don't think we get that all the time. So there's like this fear. They don't want to get this wrong. Or maybe they think, oh, maybe he'll answer it for us. <laughs> but Peter, the ever, ever like brave, we'll call it brave, uh, loud mouth guy who just is like, he's ready. He's, he, he speaks before he thinks which means that in a sense, Peter gets it. Now, unfortunately, there's more to this story. But um, he, he says, Peter answered him, which is often the case. Peter's usually the one who speaks up first. Um, he says, you're the Messiah. That's it. You're the Messiah. They get it. He understands to a sense. He's the one who's come to rescue the nation of Israel. Now, he doesn't. Now, we, we, we will give Peter credit in saying, um, Peter gets it. Yeah, he understands. Look at him. Like, how could he get to verse, you know, 32 and then Peter do what he does? It's because Peter gets that he's the Messiah. But I, I don't know if Peter gets how Jesus is the Messiah, obviously. And, and then what comes up. Um, and so he is like, he must be feeling good in front of his buddies. He's got the answer, right? Like, he, Jesus then says, um, don't tell anyone about him. Now, you might ask why, and I think there might be a few reasons. You see kind of the way that the, the mob treats Jesus, especially when he feeds them, yeah. that they want to make him king. And the ironic part is that Jesus is already king, but he's come to fulfill his kingship in a different way, not in the way that we would see him, um, or that, we, that they would hope in that being liberated from the Romans um, and the over, like the, the people who have their fist over them and they have suffered much. Um, they want freedom from that, but Jesus has come to bring a different freedom. Um, and, and so 
then he began to explain, Jesus follows up quickly with how he's come to save them. He's like, okay, you, you, you understand. Now let me show you. Let me teach you how. And I just, man, I, I find in these moments specifically when Jesus talks about how he has to die, the disciples just like, they fall apart. Like, I, like for you, like, let me ask you a question, Parker, real quick. Like, has there ever been, like, you, you, you've, like, for example, a mentor. You love talking about certain things. But when it comes to stuff that's hard to chew on, like, how do you handle yourself in those situations, in those conversations? Yeah, I usually get pretty quiet. <laughs> Super <laughs> contemplative and introspective. Yeah. Because, like, I think um, I appreciate Peter's eagerness. I always do. But I think for me, there's, like, that huge hesitation of, like, just don't say something stupid in front of this person you hugely admire. Yeah. But, like, I totally get where they're coming from uh and especially peter like i just love the cojones on this guy to just take like just call them the messiah and take him aside be like dude you're getting this wrong uh just a heads up yeah he goes for it like he's the kid he's the kid in class who we all made fun of that's okay and and it's right there yeah i know and it's sad and it's brutal because at the same time we all envied that person because there was a courage in a sense that, that Peter walks in that like either a, he's courageous or he just didn't think of the repercussions and just spoke. Yeah. But like me personally, that was not me. I'm, I'm the personality who thinks before I speak. And I think maybe twice before I speak sometimes depends on the situation. Um, often I wish I'd do that more in marriage, but that's a different conversation. Uh, but, but I, I, I would see those people and I would applaud like there is a courage that, that there is a courage in putting yourself out there in the potential of being corrected, right? Mm. Like I think there's a lesson for all of us to learn in that. But again, that's not the point of the text, at least not primarily. Um, and so like Peter, that, so, so Jesus begins to teach and he says it's necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things because of our sin, because of our mess, because um, he came to fulfill the law. Why did the law come? It actually was a measuring stick to show us how short we fell. It's ironic that, that, um, that you know, there was this, uh, this inability to fill the law humanly on our part. That we just couldn't do it. No matter, we couldn't follow all the rules. And God gave many um, and you read in, in the Pentateuch and, and you see this, this incredible, incredible expectation of righteousness that we could not live up to. And so Jesus, in his grace, came and he says, this is, this is why it's necessary. So that I could be the final sacrifice, that I could be the fulfillment of the law, that I could show you in life and death, that I, I, I fulfill this on your behalf so that relationship can be restored. Um, he says, rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, which, oof, rejection by the influential people in our culture. That is, uh, I don't know about you, that's a terrifying thing in my opinion, um, to be outed by 
who the world would say is influential. There's a, there's a humility on Jesus's part here. Um, and be killed. Like, it's pretty black and white there. It's, he doesn't hide the fact that, that, that he, he doesn't hide his mission. He makes it plain to his disciples. But he doesn't leave it there. And he says, and rise after three days. So like, I just, this is where I don't understand Peter. Because like, so then Peter just, he, he, he speaks openly to this. Peter takes him aside and he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, come on, man. Like, you, you, got, you got a good thing going on here. Now I'm putting words in Peter's mouth. But when yeah. I hear the word rebuke, like, he's, he's chastising. He's giving him something mm-hmm. for saying what he said. And because Peter's like, yeah, I got this wrong. Yeah. You, you, you must have this confused. Like, that, that, that can't be the way. Um, and, uh, and so then Jesus in front of the rest of the 11 looks at all of them and specifically says to Peter, like, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human's concerns. So Peter has like just nailed it out of the park and then gets roasted in front of his buddies. Now, Here's where I have both confusion and grace for Peter. Peter loves Jesus. There's a love for Jesus that does not want to see Jesus die. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate that to a point. Um, obviously, like, the consequences of that point are, are quite large. Um, but he gets a little carried away. And I think... This is where, where, you know, he gets who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is, and yet he doesn't at the same time. Um, it's, I, I, th- I think, this is my thought, that if, if he had known Jesus, and by know Jesus, understand what was prophesied about him in the Old Testament by the prophets, the stuff that, you know, should almost should have been, you should have seen common Peter, like in a sense, like these are the stories, these are the things that you heard as a boy growing up, that this is what the Messiah was, who he's supposed to be to rescue through words given by Isaiah and, and 53 and the suffering servants and, and, and this, this fulfillment that, that the Messiah was supposed to be. And, and he, he misses that the most important part and uh and in a sense what happens is misunderstanding what jesus came to do he misunderstands who he is Mm. and with jesus's response Mm -hmm. we can't afford to do that Mm -hmm. Um, there are there are extreme consequences the the first being when we misunderstand who Jesus is, we misunderstand his mission. We misunderstand what he's come to do, what he's come to accomplish, which is then becomes a half-truth. And a half-truth is a dangerous truth because there is a lie part in there somewhere. The, the way the enemy, this is why I think Jesus calls him Satan, is because, yes, of course, why would Peter want his buddy to die? Or not, like, why wouldn't he want him? 
why wouldn't he say what he said? Like, why wouldn't Peter feel the way he felt? Absolutely. But he's looking in a smaller perspective here. His, his worldview at this point is not as expansive as it needs to be in order to see what Jesus' death would actually accomplish. And then by doing so, you come up against the mission of the kingdom of God. So there is like, I don't, I don't know if we fully understand it in our, uh, our evangelical circles that we run in, but the importance of knowing who Jesus is, is great. It, it, it carries mm-hmm. eternal consequences. And I don't mean like the big stuff. I'm talking about some of the smaller things that still get in the way of what Jesus comes to do. And there are, there are fights about this. There are, uh, y- y- there are arguments about this in, in church circles. And, and, and between the church, and when I say the church, I don't mean um, main voices, so like main leaders of the church coming up against other political leaders or left or left, right, you know, that kind of yeah. conversation. I mean it in the sense like us as people, when we have conversations with um with people who don't know Jesus yet and those sorts of things where we, where we, where we give ground because of the social consequences. And that's a, that's, that's hard to swallow um, because Jesus follows up this, and I'm not going to go into this too much, but it's important to know what Jesus says right after he says this. He starts teaching to people. And he says, if anybody wants to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, Mm. and follow me. So where I think Peter misses the boat is is places that we miss the boat greatly. Where we put self, comfort, um, status... Um, social influence even ahead of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, we put ourselves in, in a crowd that, that Jesus looks to and says, get behind me, Satan, because you're, you're getting in the way of the purpose of my coming, the purpose of my death, the purpose of my resurrection. And, and so this line that Jesus gives Peter, that you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Because for Jesus, death is not the same concern as it would have been for the rest of them. Like death would have, create, would, would have created this sense of, of fear, of avoidance, where God's concern is that Jesus' death actually brings life. Mm. So there's this, like, this, this, that, that always this idea of like a backwards kingdom that, that mm-hmm. Jesus preaches and, and, and is marked in his teaching through the Gospels, um, which if you haven't read, you need to. And uh, in order for, to understand who Jesus is, a great, place to, a great place to start is to read his biographies. Um, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, get in there, get it. Um, learn who this person is and because because here's here's why and I'm going to make this personal um, 
is because I miss catching the things of heaven on earth a lot. Let me say that one more time. I, I miss heaven on earth a lot. What do I mean by that? I miss what Jesus is doing in circumstances. And when self is the other player, if you will, um, I get in the way or avoid or miss kingdom opportunities because of my own self-concerns. I'll put it that way, which covers, which is an umbrella that covers a lot. Um, and, and so here's really the lesson that I really want to bore down on. Um, and I think is the point of what Jesus teaches and why he teaches. And then the following verses about following him and dying to self and all of that is, is important. But knowing Christ first, it takes the one who sits on the throne in order to recognize him on earth. It takes knowing the one who sits on the throne in order to recognize him on earth. So for me, I, I avoid energy sucking people. <laughs> um, I, I avoid conversations because I don't, I don't feel like I have the energy. I don't feel like I have the love to give to those people. And they are beautiful human beings. They're wonderful. Jesus loves them more than I ever could. Um, but this idea of serving and of loving them as if they were Jesus, which, again, you know, Jesus talks about in Matthew 16, I believe. I might be getting the reference wrong, but where he says, for the least, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And I think if, if our posture of loving and knowing Jesus first and living out of that posture and seeing that, um, that in, in, in other people and loving them as he loves us, and that comes from knowing him, right? Uh, our experience grows from, from our knowledge of him um, is a huge, huge piece. Uh, I miss redemptive opportunities because of self. I miss because there is obviously a blind spot in my knowledge of Jesus, mm-hmm. of who he is. Because um, where I would normally peace out when the ministry is done because I'm tired and I'm over with and I just need to get out of there because I want to go disengage and whatever that looks like, um, hobbies, family time, which are good things. He says to his disciples, you go on ahead. I'll disperse the crowd. Mm-hmm. So he loves the people. But then what does he do after that? Remember, his identity is rooted in the Father, so he goes and spends time with him there. So this knowledge of Jesus, it, it changes the way we interact with him, and it changes the way we interact with people. So the other thing um, that uh, I think are markers of people who are concerned, like humanly concerned more than godly concerned, um, is this distractions of the world, voices technology, social media, you know, call it what you will. Um, let, me, let me be even more vulnerable for a second. And I, I understand this saying has a lot of baggage and I, I will explain myself, but I, I'm a pleasure seeker. So obviously that has a lot of baggage and people have a lot of connotations with that. But I think 
if we were to think hard enough about it, we'd all put ourselves in this crew. Because I go for my own comfort. What will I do? What will bring the greatest? Um, what will what will bring the greatest sense of accomplishment? Comfort. Um, uh, um, pleasure, and and I mean that in rest or my idea of rest. Um, this idea, of like this ego stroking thing, um, mm-hmm. any number of things. Uh, when when we look, when we when we when we are are centered on our own human concerns, which are ultimately tainted because of sin, we miss. And we miss out on, on, on moments of intimacy with God, sharing that intimacy with other people. And we get in the way of his mission. Mm-hmm. And those are big problems. So when Jesus says you're not concerned about God's concerns, but human concerns, what are markers of people who are concerned in a godly way? Um, look at Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to nail this one probably a few times already in that, like, go read his biography. Look at the things that are, that Jesus is concerned with on earth as he interacts with people, as he interacts with the father, because I, I, there's a long list and I actually think a better place to start is instead of giving markers, which I know a lot of popular blogs do 10 ways or 10 markers of a healthy so-and-so or, you know, these things that you look at yourself and you go, man, none of that is me. And those are helpful. Don't get me wrong. I love those blogs. Everybody loves top 10. Um, But where I think is even more important is going pre that list. That that's because we always put these goals. You got to be so and so. You know, uh, these need to be reflections of your person. Or, or um, if you if you look like such and such, or so and so, or have this characteristic about you, then you will know that you are good. You know, to put it fairly vaguely. Um, but we miss, right? Because we're looking at fruit, not at the person. This is where godly concern is concern about who God is and why he matters and how he changes our lives. And so we need to know who Jesus is, know about him, listen to him, have conversations with him, which is possible through the power of the Spirit, um, so that we might know through looking at the Bible what he's concerned with, on this earth, about humans, about our culture, about our social media feed, about our relationships, about our, uh, how we live our life on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, which the root of that is understanding who Jesus is so that we can understand what Jesus is doing and recognize it in our lives. So, um, to, to, to kind of wrap, wrap up with a line, um, where I think Peter misses the boat here is that his eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. 
He's mm-hmm. fixed on worldly concerns. His own, in a sense, the state of his country, his people, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and hoping for basically what the rest of uh, the rest of the Israelites are hoping for in this, you know, liberation. But here's what happens. He doesn't see clearly because his eyes aren't fixed on who Jesus is. He doesn't have a complete understanding. So the, the line I'll end with is that when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we see the things on earth clearly. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Cool. Yeah. I'm really excited, man. Um, I think especially this idea of Peter's far more, it seems like in this passage, he's far more interested in who he thinks Jesus is than rather who he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Or who he hopes he is. Exactly. And I think, you know, hitting on that piece about what Hebrew discipleship meant, I think the reason that it was all of the disciples saying, oh, some are saying John the Baptist, others saying Elijah, is because they're actually thinking like, people are actually looking at me saying like, oh, my mentor's this guy. So Mm. what does that mean? And then Peter being the one who steps out, he's just taking the shot. He's like, yeah, you're the Messiah. You're the greatest. And you chose me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so like, what does it actually mean that um, if Jesus is meant to die, you're supposed to follow in your mentor's footsteps. Mm-hmm. What does this actually mean for all of us? Yeah. Um, Which man. makes and puts weight on what Jesus follows up in, in his teaching and taking up your cross, which everybody knew what that meant. The cross was a symbol of death, right? And, and I, I mean, you look at how Peter died, right? Like he, he follows in, in Jesus' footsteps. He gets it eventually, right? Like that, that gives us hope. But, but yeah, death to self and sometimes physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm, I'm always grateful to, to just, and overwhelmed by, by the listening, those who listen, those who tune in from where you tune in, um, and not just Calgary, Alberta, but states, Australia, like, welcome. You guys are awesome. Love that. I don't know how you stumbled upon us, but we're glad you're here. And uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us. There will, uh, Dallas and Parker are, are crushing this next week. And, uh, and I can't wait to hear what they've got. So bless you all. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next week.